Good morning. Good morning. I, I'm really not sure that Brian, or Pastor Brian wasn't at the wrong house. I, 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 I don't know. Well, we're excited to be here this morning, and uh, I, I just think that there's something so very special uh, whenever God's people get together. And, and I have something I believe is just very exciting to share this morning, and that is the battle plan of God. And, and I'd like for you just a moment as we get ready to go into this message that you would just kind of consider and think about if you were God and you were planning a battle plan to guarantee victory, what would you come up with? <laughs> oh, sister, we got something going. <laughs> what would you come up with? Would it be a missile that I've heard we have one that will go five times the, the, the speed of sound? I don't know how fast that is, but I know it's fast, okay? Uh, we have bombs that, that we can push buttons, and they can pick a house out five or 6,000 miles away, and they can go down the chimney. Not just hit the house, they can go down the chimney. I mean, that's pretty good. We have weapons that are so small that you, you could hold them in your hand almost, and yet they could destroy cities. Powerful weapons. Well, God being God, uh, He must have a missile that will go faster. He must have a weapon that is more powerful. And, and I understand that uh, you spend, and, and I, uh, millions and millions and billions and now trillions of dollars helping people come up with an inferior plan to keep us safe. Well, we want to just share this morning about the battle plan of God. And as I thought about this and I, I prayed about this, uh, I, I thought, Lord, give me, give me your secret. Would you just share with me your secret as to uh, this battle plan that you have that uh, I want to readily confess, as, as our sister, I think, was alluding to, I have messed up so thoroughly. And, and I, I not only think maybe Brian was talking about a different yard, he may have got me mixed up with somebody else, okay? But I want to tell you, he, the truth is, our God has a plan now, I don't want to give it away yet, but, but our God has a plan to turn you into the kind of man, not that Larry Endicott is, or even Pastor Brian is, but turn you into a man and a woman that is like Jesus Christ, like the Son of God, the resurrected Messiah of Israel. He has a plan that is so powerful, so effective that when it touches your life and lives within you, you become a new creation in Christ. That's exciting. And before we go on, and I appreciate the, the warm welcome that we had, but could you just humor me just a little bit, and let's stand and give the Son of God the praise, the honor, the glory, the magnificent welcome that He deserves for being in our midst. We thank You, Lord. We thank You that You are in our midst. You have a battle plan. You have a way of changing us into Your image, and we will overcome through Jesus Christ.
our King, our God. Amen. Thank you. I feel better now about preaching that his applause was bigger than my applause. Because I remember that verse of Scripture that he said, I will share my glory with no man. Amen. I'd like to begin this morning by reading a parable, a story that I found just rather interesting. And before I go on one more attempt at being a little humorous, Abby, I, I, I want to say I, we love how you worship the Lord. And uh, I just, uh, I, let's, and Pastor Brian said this, and I don't mean to, to go beyond that, but let's, let's just bless this young lady that when she goes on her trip, she'll have some extra to bless somebody else. Yeah. Amen? Amen. And I, I, I remember that, and, and oh, I, I hope you love me when I finish and the time I finish this morning, okay? But I remember a trip to South America that I took when I was just about your age. I think I was 21 at the time. And uh, I went over, and we went to Bogota, and uh, went back into the Andes Mountains there, and, and it was just a beautiful place. And we visited this uh, uh, missionary that lived there, and uh, I slept in a room that had a window that wasn't a window. It was a hole in the wall, and, and you could just kind of look out. And those You know about that, Stan. You know what that's like. But we were there, and there were some, I think it was like 52 of us from around the United States that had gone to Colombia. And, uh, and so we were there, and this one particular uh, pastor was there, and uh, he lost his wallet and, and, and lost, uh, lost it, or it was removed from him, but he didn't have his wallet anymore. And so he was there, and he was sharing with us about that in, in our, our prayer meeting that, that afternoon. And, and he, he just said, I want you to pray for me and pray for the person if the person is somebody took it. And so they, we were praying, and, and this dear missionary friend who uh, lives just from the generosity uh, of believers like you and me and others that would bless him uh, with uh, the financial aid to exist there. When we prayed for that financial blessing to come back to this dear pastor, who, you know who were the first one that got up to give? Now, I know this brother just received this meager check in the mail just a couple of days ago, and he was completely out before the check came. And he gave a portion of that to bless this rich gringo coming from the United States. Not that you're a rich gringo, Abby. I don't mean to say that. But let's make her rich to go on this trip and not only meet the needs there, but to share with those there that they might know not just that America is generous, but that Jesus is generous through His people. Amen? Amen. I believe we'll do that. Let me read this story if I may. I should be closing, but I'm not close yet. <laughs> Once a king had a great highway built for members of his kingdom. And after it was completed, but before it was open to the public, the king decided to have a contest. He invited as many as desired to participate. And their challenge, their challenge was to see who could travel the path best, the highway the best. 
On the day of the contest, the people came. Some of them had their fine chariots, Lincolns and Cadillacs and sports cars and, and uh, convertibles and just all kinds of, of transportation uh, vehicles. But many of them had those kind of, of vehicles and some had fine clothing. By the way, this is new. I want you to know that, okay? <laughs> My wife made me buy it, okay? okay? But, but they came and they, and they had all this fine clothing, some men came in their track clothes, ran along the highway. People traveled the highway all day, but each one, when they arrived at the end, complained to the king that there was a large pile of debris left on the road at one spot, and it got in their way and hindered their travel. Well, at the end of the day, there was a lone traveler crossing the finish line warily and walked over to the king. He was tired and he was dirty. But he addressed the king with great respect and handed him a bag of gold. He explained, I stopped along the way to clear a pile of rocks and debris that was blocking the road, and this bag of gold was under it. I want to return it to the rightful owner. The king replied, You are the rightful owner. Traveler replied, oh no, this is not mine. I've never known such money. Oh yes, said the king, you've earned this gold. You won my contest. He who travels the road best is he who makes the road smoother for those who will follow. That is our job. As we go into our community, as we go into the groups, the connect groups that are here, as we come and fellowship together, our job is that if we see a pile of rocks, pick it up and move it out of the way. There just might be a bag of gold underneath it, but it may be the blessing that God intends for your life. <clears throat> One other little story that I want to share that so touched my life that I've spent many mornings crying in my family room. I have five grandchildren, Jane and I do. Uh, <clears throat> our youngest granddaughter is in back with the kids today. She loves the Lord. Well, she fixed me a bookmark. Uh, and I relate this that she's making my journey easier because she gave me, me this during a time that I felt discouragement. And she didn't know it. I hid it from her. I, I felt challenged, but she didn't know it because I hid it from her. I, I didn't want her to know that. But she felt moved upon, motivated to make me a bookmark. Now, this is the most expensive bookmark that I've ever received. It's the most valuable. You wait till I read what's on it. The very top, it goes like this. Praise to Jesus and Papa. <laughs> and then she has, and she picked this out all by herself. She's 10 years old. Do I sound like a proud grandpa? I'm trying to. 
Psalms 29, 11. The Lord gives strength to His people. The Lord blesses His people with peace. And if we want to be a part of the battle plan of God, we must receive the blessing of strength. We must receive the blessing of peace. You see, if I'm going to be in a, a, a war with someone, if I'm going to be in a battle with someone, uh, it, it's okay if they are afraid as they don't allow the fear to control them. But here this little girl gave this to her papa, and I put it on the corner now of every book that I read. And when I get up and uh, I think it's because I'm not 28, 38, 48, 58, or 68, but I'm 78. Whew. That makes me tired even to say it anymore, you know. But, but when I get up and, and I go to my family room, and, and I, whether I'm going to be spending time there just being alone or whether I'm going to read, but when I pick up the book that I'm currently reading, right on the corner there. The first thing that I see is praise Jesus and Papa. You see, here's an amazing thing about the love of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, things aren't going quite the way I thought. I'm sorry that I'm not as uh, disciplined as our, our precious pastor. And, and I appreciate him very much. But I'm learning. He's teaching me through a 10-year-old, his battle plan. Because I had a battle, and it wasn't a missile that could fly five times the, the speed of sound. It wasn't a bomb that could blow up cities. It was a precious little bookmark that had written on it how much God loved her and how much He loves me how much He loves you. The battle plan of God. The battle plan is not a battle plan revealing how God's going to win the battle. He's not sitting in his, on His throne thinking, what must I do today to make sure that I have victory? God's victory is never in doubt, cannot be challenged. His plan never needs to be changed. The battle plan of God reveals how we walk. It's not, God doesn't have a battle plan for Him to win the battle. He has a battle plan so that we can win the battle in the very same way He won the battle. We can be as effective as He was effective. We can endure the paradox of the cross just like He endured the paradox The battle plan of God reveals how we walk into victory that God has imparted into His special creation. The men and women and children, the adults of the body of Jesus Christ. Why is it important that we gather here in, in rooms like this? Is this room any holier than anything else? Any other room? No, not at all. I want to tell you, my family room is really good. Well, I can sit down and click that fireplace on and get my hot tea and put lemon in it, put my feet up on the ottoman, 
and just relax in the presence of God. The battle plan of God. The battle plan of God not only will lead you to where you're going, Abby, but it will be there when you get there. You don't need to know the plan. You need to know the God that has the plan. You don't need to know the weapons that you have. You just need to rest in the the power that He is. We men and women have victories, but they're always short-lived. I love some of the victories that I feel like I have at times, but they just don't last. I mean, I really walk around and I think, I got this, okay? I got it. It, it, It's all right, Kevin. I got it, buddy. I'm, I'm okay. Until I turned the corner and I said, oh, I don't got this. And it's not okay. But you'll never hear God say, I don't got this. You'll never hear Him say, it's not okay. You see, the paradox of the cross briefly is this, and that's not the message today, but, but it, it, it's, it's this, that the paradox of the cross is that it's love, not hate. When we look at the cross, we don't see hate first. We see love first. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish. That's good news. That's the plan of God. But have everlasting life. It's love, not hate. It's success, not failure. Jesus wasn't a victim, and neither are we when there's a pile of rocks in the middle of the road that we're on. And we're called to to get dirty and to remove them for the sake of someone else. You know, I at times I, I feel like that I can put forth a pretty good effort to get a pile of rocks out of the way for me. I'll even do it for my wife. I'll do it for my grandkids, my kids. But you know what? God wants the same commitment from me to move that I would move the rocks out from their path, that I would move the rocks out from your path. And you know what's going to happen when we begin to move the rocks out of the way of the paths of each other? Do you know what kind of special relationship and what kind of special battle plan of God that is going to be revealed? You see, this is what Paul was really saying, I believe, when he said that we are constrained, one translation is. We're constrained by the love of Christ. It isn't that I want to get dirty. It's not that I want to lift a heavy rock. I don't want to do that. I don't want to clean up your mess. But it's the love of Christ that constrains me. And that isn't talking about the the love that I have for Christ, but it's talking about His love that lives within me. The same love that took Him to the cross is the same love that lives within you today to face any challenge that you might have or have to face. The cross, the paradox is acceptance, not rejection. It's comfort, not fear. It's life. It's forgiveness, not rejection. Darkness has no weapon that can destroy light. 
When you feel darkness crowding in on you, when I feel darkness crowding in on me, as I did that, that day before uh, my, my wife brought me this precious bookmark, and I didn't even tell Jane how this, she may have known, she knows me pretty well, I, I probably wasn't keeping it from her nearly as much as I thought I was, but darkness isn't even a challenge to light. Do you know that? Our God, and, and we're going we're to get to that briefly this morning, but our God is not trying to be in control. Our God is in control. And if you haven't read lately in the book of Daniel, I would recommend that you go there and you read this section in the latter part of Daniel where it says that, uh, I'll paraphrase, that the God of all creation, Almighty God, El Shaddai, He come walking in, and He come walking in and sat down in His rightful place, which is the very throne And he looked at the saints of God, and they were being challenged, and, and they were, the paradox of the cross was going on in their life. It looked like they were being defeated. And then it says this, God passed judgment, and everything changed. And then he declared that those who were being persecuted, those who were being challenged, those who experienced failure, they were granted to rule and reign with Jesus Christ Himself. And the next time that I or you, that we face a challenge and it just seems bigger than we are, let us know and, and, and believe and see and, and let it become a part of us that Jesus Christ lives within us. And He's there to remove the complaining, to remove the judgment to remove the rejection so that what he experienced on the cross and what took him to the cross and what kept him on the cross is the very thing that builds this plan of God, this battle plan of God that goes on between you and I. Let me read Galatians, the sixth chapter, the 14th verse. I won't ask you if you were to keep tally during a month. You had a little time clock. And you would, on one side, you would time all the other stuff that's going on and all the complaining, all the giving up, all the despair, all the indifference that goes on. And on the other side, you kept track of every time you saw that debris of complaining in the pathway, you started working about removing it. Every time you saw that bitterness, you just removed it. Every time you saw that, that lack of, of being loved and, and feeling depressed and, and rejected, you, that debris, that, that's debris. That's not God. That's not the battle plan of God. That's not the plan that He has for our lives. He said, get on it, move it out of the way, and let's go on down the road. Because you may just find a bag of gold. You may find exactly what you need to be who He has created you to be as you remove the debris from the road. I'm going to confess something. 
Do you know sometimes I find less pleasure in removing the debris than I do about complaining about the debris? Don't bother me with this Jesus thing, this lifting of the hands or this, this worshiping. Don't, don't, don't bother me with that. I'm too busy feeling sorry for me because it's hard. Nobody understands me. I think sometimes even Pastor Brian doesn't understand how much work it took me to get my yard the way it is. <laughs> that didn't just happen, Pastor. I mean, I mean, hey. And if I was a young man like he is, it would have been a lot easier. Let me read to you the battle plan of God. And here's the key word in this. It's relationship. It's relationship. It's relationship first. Paul said this. He said that, that, that I might know him. And that I might lay hold of that for which he laid hold of me. You're not an accident. You didn't come to Christ and, and he has nothing for you. He has a special place for you. He has a special job for you. He has many, many special relationships for you. And if you want to be a part of and experience, and if I want that, the battle plan of God, we have to be involved in relationship. Now, there's a hierarchy of relationships. Philippians, the fourth chapter, verses 4 through 9, says this, and I'll just comment a little bit on this as we go. Rejoice in the Lord always. Do you, do you know what that really meant? It, you guys welcome me, and, and I thank you for that, but you could have put more effort into it, okay? I mean, hey, come on now. You, 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 you could have given me goosebumps if you'd have stood up and, Yeah! Now, you know I'm joking. But that word rejoice there, what it means is the kind of welcome that you stood and gave Jesus. Lord, we praise you. We welcome you. We embrace you. We thank you. Rejoice in the Lord always. And Paul said, just in case you didn't get it, I will say again, rejoice. If you want to be a debris remover, from the life path that you're on, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in Him. Rejoice in Him. Let your, oh, and this one, let your gentleness be evident to all. I'm, I'm a little better at letting you see I can sometimes gut it out than my gentleness. But as you rejoice in the Lord, as, as you give Him praise, as, as you just unabashedly say, Jesus, I love you. This is a place where you, I, I believe Pastor has given us all the freedoms to give God the praise. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. This is the battle plan of God. The battle plan of God is to put you on display. 
to let lost people see the difference in your life because Jesus Christ lives within you. That's the battle plan of God. I mean, I honestly think if he had sent Gabriel or some of those kind of people, angels down here, they might do a better job. But the truth is they would not do a better job because they exist by the very same power and authority that we as the people of God, as the new creation in Christ, it is the same power that it is in them that is in us. Now we have a different task. We have a different assignment. And then he says, do not be anxious about anything. Well, the first time I read that, I thought, Paul, you, you are kidding, right? You're not really serious about this, that you could say, do not be anxious about anything, because it was not a cakewalk when he was on the earth either. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about COVID-19. Do not be anxious about, I need 40 and I got 20. Do not be anxious because someone gave you a report that you don't want to receive. Now, before you boo me, let me go on a little bit, okay? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, this verse 6 Paul wrote this with one of those tenses that's in that language that he wasn't saying that you're never going to feel anxiety. How many here have felt anxiety? If I would say anxious, I know exactly what it is. Now, it may be something different in Kevin's mind. It may be something different in in Stan and his wife's mind. It may be something different in Dan and Kim's mind. But it's an anxious feeling. But it's, it's in a tense that what he was saying is, it, you will feel anxious, but I don't want you to live a life of anxiety. That everything you do, every place you go, everything you touch, you touch it with anxiety. You know anybody like that? Don't, don't look. Now, you're right here. Don't, don't. You'll just get in trouble. But that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, yes, you'll feel, you'll feel anxious, but don't live that life, life of anxiety. And if you do that, and if you, if you pray, and if you petition, and, and those couple of words, one, one of the words means that if you just talk to God. Do you know you can talk to God? You just don't have to say, oh, thou who art in heaven. It's okay to say that sometimes too. But you can just say, Jesus, I'm having a pretty tough time with this. I, don't, I just don't feel good. I, I'm really mad at my neighbor. I just went through a week that I repented of how I felt about someone. Well, I didn't let people see it. I'm too spiritual for that. They might not think I'm as spiritual as I want to be perceived as being. But I I just felt I didn't feel right about it. And so I went to a a human that I have a relationship with that I trust, my wife. And I said, you know, honey, 
I just, I've told the Lord I'm sorry, and I want you to pray for me because I, I just am having trouble with this. I'm feeling anxious about this. And, and I, I, I'm getting ready to, to preach and to teach a little bit, and I've got to tell them that we're not to live a life of anxiety, and I don't want to be living a life of anxiety after I get up here with a microphone close to my mouth. I don't want to do that. And the Lord, who is all loving, says, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to live that life of anxiety. And, and you know what your anxiety is. And you know, you know the things that you struggle with. Some things we can just throw off real easy, right? I don't have any temptation to rob a bank. I have victory over that every day. Every day. Every day I can win that battle. Okay? I thought I'd get more credit than that, actually. I mean, you know... I'm really pretty good at that, okay? I can do that. But I have challenges in some other ways. Some of them I don't handle very well. But the battle plan of God, the relationships that God has called me to, called you to, draws me back to center. And says, okay, let's start again. You know that's what mercy really is, don't you? That it just says you get another chance again. It's not your second again, but you get another chance again to begin again. And so one is that you just talk to God when you're anxious and you face these things. And God's preparing you and developing you for this battle plan that he has that it's all about relationship. All about your being offended and not being offended. All about your not being forgiven, but you forgive. And when you fail, it's all about your saying, I'm sorry. Because there's a verse in the scriptures that says this, one, it's one of my favorites. It says, "You mercy triumphs over judgment. If you want to get rid of that judgmental thing, it, should you have it, if there's anybody here would like that besides me, if you want to get rid of that, find somebody to show mercy to. Find a situation to be merciful in. And you watch the battle plan of God begin to succeed in your life. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, that word guard there is an interesting word. If, if we were to put that on display today, I would ask the 8 or 10 or 12 or 15 people that are right in this front part just to gather around me, to encircle me, and, and to stand and, and, and protect me from that one person that maybe hasn't been pleased with my preaching this morning. They guard me. And if necessary, they'll even pick up a club. Gently. Because we're to be gentle. 
but they would guard me. And, and that's, what, that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying that, that if, if you'll talk to God about this, and if you'll get involved with his battle plan of relationship, win that relationship battle, and you'll win all kinds of battles, and you win the relationship battle, and you will find a bag of gold. You'll find something precious, something valuable, something that will do for you in your relationships that you really want to happen. Finally, brothers and sisters, oh, Paul, Paul just, he doesn't understand. And then I remember, wait a minute, this is a guy that used to kill Christians. He'd chase them down from one city to another. He'd drag them out of their houses, and he'd, he'd order people to do this sort of thing. And so this battle plan of God about relationships was so effective in his life that he'd lay down his life now for the people that Jesus laid his life down for. He became expendable in the battle plan of God in order that relationships would be just the way. That God has ordained them to be. But whatever, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, I don't know what's true. Jesus does. Uh, I don't know what, whatever's lovely, uh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. But God knows whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. You see, if we're going to be successful in the battle plan of God of relationships, we got to control our thought life. We don't even get to make the choice about what our thought life is all about. I don't have the right to think. No, I better not. I know you love me, but I don't want to test the limits, okay? But I don't get the right to think about this. Because this battle plan of God of relationships and, and toward, as we get ready to end, that we'll see that there's a hierarchy here. There's an order of here. God has an order that he wants to be successful here, to be successful here, to be successful here, to be successful here, to bring you to this place that he says, now let's let our light shine. Let's let people see how much I really love not only you but them. Because unless we're showing the love of Christ, unless we're demonstrating the goodness of God, those things that are true, those things that are pure, those things that are lovely, those things that are, my gosh, I didn't think anyone would be capable of reacting that way. Unless we are the one that God is using to demonstrate that, we aren't really being as successful in the battle plan of God as He intends. The battle plan of God is not about God winning the battle. It's about His victory being displayed in our lives. The last verse, verse 9, and I like this. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, the exciting thing is, you know, 
God is raising up people within the church of Jesus Christ that can be trusted. That can believe. You can believe them. I think we can believe our pastor. I'm, I'm a fan. I, I sometimes talk with his mom and dad. And, and, and his dad will say, what do you think about this and that? And, and as far as a, a message, just the way preachers talk to each other. And, you know, and the thing that really pops up in me is your, your, your son's a good man. He's not a perfect man. He, he may be closer than me, but he's not a perfect man. But he's a good man. He has, an, he has a desire to that this could be written about him. I have a desire it would be written about me. You have a desire it would be written about you. Whatever. Can we say this to our neighbors? Can we say this to the challenge, the people that challenge us, the people that are unkind to us, the people that laugh at us, the people that ridicule us, the people that judge us, and then let's move on to the people that aren't a part of the church. Oh, please laugh. Please laugh. You know, that statement that goes on that we've all heard, I'm sure, that I'd go to church, but it's just full of hypocrites. Well, then go ahead and just associate with the hypocrites out of church. I mean, but you've got a better chance of being delivered in church than you do out on, out on there, out that way. Because God is working His plan, His battle plan of developing relationships to where that when we're challenged that, that I, I'm hurt and I'm and I not only can go to my wife, I, I can go to Kevin and I can say, Kevin, pray for me, will you? The sister came in and, and she said, we've, we've bathed you in prayer. Another sister said uh, something kind and, and said, also prayed for you. That's the value. That's the battle plan of God. You were involved in God succeeding this morning in a way that He chooses to succeed. When we first thought about battle plan, did we really, did our minds go to Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9? Or was it that missile that goes five times faster than sound? That bomb that blows up cities? That faith we think is faith that we can injure people with because I'm not like you I'm not like you the battle plan of God it's not about a secret plan or weapon it's about relationship and first and foremost it's about a relationship with God through Jesus Christ it's about a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We've been trapped sometimes in the, in the church universal into thinking that a relationship with the Holy Spirit belongs to a certain denomination or a certain belief system. No, it doesn't. It belongs to the people of God. The Holy Spirit was given to those who have received Christ into their lives so that they can be successful in this battle plan of God where relationships Reveal and demonstrate how much God really loves us and what He's done for us and the bag of gold that's under the debris. I pray that it would be so effective this morning that when you get out of church, you start looking for a bag of debris. You'll find it because it's all over the place. It's somebody that might be crying. 
It's someone that may be challenged. It's someone that needs help. Remove that debris and you will find a bag of gold. When you go to build that coffee shop, build them good coffee, but remove a bag of debris from their lives and watch the battle plan of God rise up within them and the communities that they live in. I'm keep going. You see, in this learning process, this changing process, this growing process that we go through as Christians, by God's grace and mercy, it, He really narrows it down. Sometimes, you ever get to that place where you think, gosh, God, if I only really knew what you wanted, I'd do it. I, there's all these possibilities. There's all these things that I could do. I, I'm just not sure. Sometimes I think it's this. Sometimes I think it's that. I think it's doing this. Sometimes I think it's not doing this. I'm just not really sure. And I think sometimes God says, be quiet. Yeah. Be quiet. You only have two choices. The first choice is to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. And pastor's been teaching us about this with persecution. You don't get to separate it, but you get the battle plan of God to be displayed in your life. That's the first choice. The second choice is to live an evil life and be an imposter and a deceiver and go from bad to worse. And Did I just make that up? No. 2 Timothy, the third chapter, the 12th and 13th verse says this. In fact, in truth, in reality, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And pastor is exactly right. I, they haven't threatened my life that I know of. But I have persecution. You know, it's kind of like pain is what you tell me about. Real pain is the pain I feel. And that's okay. We, we all face these challenges because of this, this magnificent plan that God has for our lives. He, he wants to make some into this, some into that, uh, some into this, some into this. And he's creating this magnificent thing called the body of Christ. And Paul wrote in Ephesians that one of his main goals in creating this body of Christ is that he might live within us by his spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need this relationship with the Holy Spirit. Not only knowing God through Christ, but with the Holy Spirit, inviting Him to be our guide, our advocate, our comforter. And the next thing is the Word of God. We, we need a relationship with this Word. Well, what is it? Is it the NIV? Is it the King James? Is it the New King James? Is it the NLT? I don't know. It's okay. Read one that's, that, that is the Word of God, one you can understand. This is Larry's take on this. Read one you can understand and invite the Holy Spirit to teach you. 
to illuminate what it is that this word says. <coughs> so you need this relationship. You want to be in this battle plan of God relationship. You need that with, with, with God through Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, with the Word of God. And then the last one is that with the, with the special people. Do you know that you're special because God said you're special? You are different than, than people who do not know Jesus Christ. God is not going to use them to win the battle that faces us. He's going to use you to help me win a battle. And boy, you've got some work coming, okay? I mean, I'm telling you, okay? But that's why we need these special relationships. And, and Pastor talks about this a lot that, that we, we need to, to get to know each other. You look like my son-in-law, Kevin, and so every time I see you, him, I pray for you, okay? And every time I see you, I pray for him. And I, I remember that, that things go on, and, and, and people do things, and, and, and people greet you. And you ever have someone greet you, and all of a sudden they've said good morning to you probably for a year and a half or more, but this morning they say good morning, and something's just different. That's, that's the Holy Spirit. We have been given the Holy Spirit. The Word of God. This special relationship. And I would invite you, if you would, if you would choose to, in your prayer time this coming week, would you just pray and say, Oh God, I want to be a part of the battle plan. I, I want to have the relationships that you want me to have. I want to, I want, it begins with you, and, and it goes right on down to where that, how I have my relationship with you will, will reveal my relationship with you, with you, with you. Uh, the forgiveness that you have for me, I have for them. The humility that you demonstrate, I demonstrate before them. The grace that you touch my life with, I extend it to them. The encouragement that you encourage me with, I, I just pass it on to you. All the time, removing debris. Sometimes we don't even know we're removing debris, but it happens. John 10.10 10 says this. The Apostle John made this so clear to us, I believe, by the Holy Spirit. The first part says this. The thief comes only. The, good, the thief isn't good sometimes. The thief isn't merciful a little bit. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. And on the top of his list is not your bank account. On the top of his list is not destroying and messing up your vacation. That's at the top of his list. The top of his list is he wants to steal to kill the relationship you have with God through Christ, with the Holy Spirit, with the Word of God, with the special people called the Church of Jesus Christ. That's what he wants to steal to kill and destroy. He doesn't care if you have all the money in the world because what does it profit a man? Or a woman, if they have all the money in the world and lose their soul, there's no profit at all. There's zero. He's not interested in that. He doesn't care. The enemy doesn't care. 
But he comes only to steal the relationship that will involve you and connect you, cause you to be a part of the victory that Jesus accomplished and, and, and demonstrated on his cross and through the resurrection. Now, there are those of here, I'll be closing it. Maybe the worship team could come, if they would, please. There are those that are here and they're listening today, and, and maybe you've accepted the king's invitation to walk that highway, and you're involved in removing the debris in the lives of people. There are others that are considering this. They'd like this. conclusion that I have is this. There's trouble out there. There's challenges out there. And there's more trouble coming. And there's more challenges coming. We aren't going to remove all the troubles from the world. It's not going to happen. But we can be one in Christ. Jesus said this right before he went home to, to be with his father and sit down on the right side of his, on his throne. He said, my prayer is you would be one with me, Jesus is speaking, just the way I'm one with my father. That you have the kind of relationship with me that I have with my father. Is that possible? Yes, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the truth of the word of God. It is possible. And the latter part of that John 10, 10 verse says this, Jesus speaking, I have come. I have come. Not a denomination. Not a denomination. Not a certain belief system. No. Not a miracle. Thank God for miracles. Not a financial blessing. Thank God for financial blessings. But Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. God's plan is to remove every speck of debris from the path. To leave no debris. For you to walk confidently, assuredly, and boldly into His presence and then be thrust out to demonstrate God's battle plan. Don't you want to be a part of that? I think you do or you wouldn't be here. You do want that. I want to read this in closing. This story is told about a man who lived in Eastern Europe in the early 1900s. Would you stand with me, please? Seeking a better life for himself and his family, he scraped enough money to buy a third-class ticket on a steamship to New York City. He planned to find work and then send for his family. Having exhausted nearly all his money on the passage, he really subsisted for, 12, for the 12-day journey on a wheel of hard cheese and a box of crackers. He looked longingly through the dining room window at the other passengers who ate hot, hearty, delicious meals. He would retreat into his tiny stateroom his ration of cheese and crackers. The final day of the voyage, with the Statue of Liberty in sight, 
The man found himself standing at the railing next to one of the ship's stewards. I don't mean to pry, said the steward, but why have we not seen you in the dining room? The traveler explained his lack of money and dependence upon crackers and cheese. The steward responded with shock. Did you not know that three meals a day were included in your ticket? We set you a place every day, but you never came. God has set us a place at His table. You've been given more than cheese and crackers. We need to avail ourselves of every strength and every blessing in order to be a part of the battle plan of God, which is relationship with Him. I mean, what a, what a tremendous opportunity for we who know Christ, for we who have been born again, for we who have embraced the Spirit of God, we who value the Word of God, we who love the people of God and those that are not. What an opportunity to sit at the table that God has prepared for you. passage I didn't really get to this morning, but I'll just quote quickly, is, that, is one that says that, that God has prepared works in advance, good works. You see, He's already prepared for your trip. You're preparing, even though you didn't ask for money, but brought Pastor bailed you out. <laughs> but God has prepared. Everything's set. The only thing that is needed is for you to show up, and we get to be a part of that. That same thing thing is true in all of our lives. The table's set. And if you've not made that choice, I, I believe by the unction of the Holy Spirit invites you, invites me to come to His table. And before they sing, would you bow your heads with me and let's pray. Father, I thank you for this great battle plan that you have. I thank you, Lord, that the table is set. Everything that is necessary for me, for us, to please you in fulfilling your will and desire for your people who live upon the earth. Your people in whom Jesus Christ himself lives within us. That your spirit, that sevenfold spirit that Revelation talks about, your spirit is upon us and in us. Show us the debris that is our assignment to remove so that others will have a smoother journey. In Jesus' name. Now as we pray and Pastor Jim comes.